Hello and welcome to the Compassionate Leadership Interview. I'm Chris Whited and my guest today is Marie Cooper, Chief Executive of CBE Plus Group and Sheffield Business Person of the Year 2015. You can find her on Twitter at Mazza2323, that's at M-A-Z-Z-A-2323. Marie, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Now, if I look at your Twitter feed, and of course I have before this interview, you find Jensen Button talking about a helmet swap. What is that about? Well, there's a two-sided story to that one. Um, the first bit is um, I do actually like motorsports, and Jensen Button is one of my favourites, if I'm honest. Um, growing up in a petrolhead family with my brother and my dad. But um, the second one is I am actually trying to stalk him for a reason. It's part of the Get Up to Speed event that we run. Um, Santander was a headline sponsor, and him and... Jess Ennis were part of the Santander group and we thought it would be a good idea to get them both to get up to speed to inspire the youngsters. So that's the reason I am on Twitter with him. <laughs> okay, t- tell us about CBE Plus Group. Oh, wow. Um, a bit of a whirlwind journey over the last few years, to be honest. Um, but I think it's been an interesting journey. Probably a bit enough, a little bit more than we can chew with doing it. But there have been some great opportunities and I think it's been an amazing transformation. So it's it's a business that um, we pulled together in 2016 with the idea to bring together businesses that needed our added value skills. So mine in business and finance and Chris Brown's in manufacturing and technical expertise really over the last couple of years we've we've acquired four businesses under the umbrella and we're on a journey to pull them all together so you're in manufacturing what what particular sectors of manufacturing are you in okay so the four businesses uh, despite being quite diverse they have had synergies so some people might think that we've done this on a whim with there was actually a strategic plan to pull this together the first one that we bought into was a company called bg engineering which is a cnc machining company it was a company we'd used as a subcontracting machine shop in our previous business, so we were aware of the business and its its ethics and um, its, its capabilities. Um, but at the same time as we were doing that, <clears throat> we actually found a business that was half a mile away that was an actual customer of BG's and had similar customer bases in their supply chain, but that business was doing electronical plating. So it's almost an add-on to the machining, and having the opportunity to do machining and plating was an idea we brought together. As part of that business, it had a laboratory, which had opportunities for us to work with BG with the laboratory. And it, obviously, we, we saw things that we could do with the laboratory, you know, to enhance its facilities and its capabilities to be able to send that third party. It was primarily there to, to service NITEC. And then during the process of looking for businesses, we <coughs> we did look at Pentag. We spoke to Andrew and Martin um, and we were looking at that. The timing wasn't quite right for them at the time. But when we, we'd done the deal and we'd, we'd got both businesses through, Andrew and Martin changed their mind and they approached us and said, we're putting the business up for sale and you know we do, we do want to talk to you. And at that point, we saw that that gave us an additional capacity within the CNC machining to do gear cutting. Um, and we saw that we could take that and add the modernising the business into that next level and create a whole synergy um, of, of businesses and capabilities. And can you take <coughs> us through your journey to chief executive? Mm. Well, that's been another interesting one. I always say it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but it's again, it's about taking opportunities and, you know, really saying to yourself, you know, 
what is the worst that can happen if I actually do this? You know, my, my dad always used to say to me, you can never make a wrong decision, Marie. You always make the right decision at the time. We informed information you've got. Um, and if it don't work, you do something different, which is pretty much how I've lived my life, really. I've, I've took that quite gospelly and said, you know, if I get an opportunity, look at it. Do I want to do it? Do I not? What's the worst that can happen? And let's have, let's just have a go. So I worked my way, you know, it, through my dad's business. My dad had his business when I was young. Uh, it was, I had to earn my pocket money. Um, so I, I did work in their accounts. But I did want to, I did have a plan to, to go to university and do uh, my degree and get my qualifications that way. But when I was 18, I had a car accident that prevented me going back to do my A-levels. The timing was just all wrong and I missed too much. So instead of, of doing anything sensibly, I just decided to go and take my PSV bus driving licence and, and drive buses for six months instead, which was fun, fine. I was the only person out of six that went and did this and passed the test. Um, everybody else thought I was absolutely bonkers, but coming out of a car accident, being five foot, everybody said it was something I couldn't do, being a woman as well. So I, it was almost a challenge that I set, everybody else set me by saying, you can't do that, that I actually thought, I'm going to prove them all wrong and do it. Um, at 18, still quite feisty, that was something I did. <laughs> I did. But after six months, you know, it was fun. Really had to be sensible. This is not something I'm going to do forever. I need to I need to go back. So I got a job at DC Cooks, which cars, love cars. Um, yeah, I actually thought that was the best thing. Um, and I did that for six years, worked my way up the ladder. I was finance manager at their group car dealership in, in Claycliffe in Barnsley. Um, in 2001, he went into receivership and I really had the rug pulled out from underneath me. I thought that was a job for life. Didn't know quite what I wanted to do, to be honest. And when I went out looking for alternative employment, I realised I was overpaid, underqualified um, and weren't really going to get anything else without doing some education. So I learned the hard way that education is part and parcel of your future and you need to back up your experiences with qualifications. So I actually did it the reverse. I, I was good at what I did, but I didn't actually understand what I was doing. So I went out there and got me qualifications. I got a job at David Brown uh, Union Pumps. I did take a pay cut. I had to take a pay cut because I weren't qualified, but they gave me the opportunity and paid for my training, which was a massive part of, of driving that forward. So I did all my qualifications. I got my AAT, did my ACCA, worked all the way through the ladder with them. They were owned by a big American corporate called Textron, um, and it was quite clear at one point that I'd got as high as I were going to go. The, the, it, it almost felt like I'd hit a, a, a ceiling with them. So I went looking, um, got an opportunity at Flow Group in Sheffield, and that was an interesting one, became finance manager, have my own team, have control. Um, and I took that job on the basis of I'm going to do this for a couple of years and then I'm going to get back into my self-employed status and I want to go and help businesses like my dad's that I worked with at the beginning. So I took it. Lo and behold, five years later, I was still there enjoying the job. Um, and I got asked um, if I wanted to be part of an opportunity to do a management buyout. Um, and I can always remember my first words, well, what's a management buyout? Didn't actually understand what that meant. Um, and when I found out, I said I'd think about it. I went and spoke to Gary, my husband at the time, and uh, I said, I've thought about it. He says, what on earth did you not just say yes for? And I said, because it's a big decision, Gary, and I need to think about this. This is, you know, we've got to put money into the business. It's a big ask. And I, I was really thinking about going and doing something else. And he went, Marie, you don't get opportunities like this every day. You need to take it and see what happens. So I went back and I said yes, and, you know, we went from there. Um, we managed to get the management buyout through in October 2010, and we had five amazing years building the business, building a team, 
it, it was getting to the point where um, we were doing really good, developed the team, we developed everything, um, we were growing, and the MD, Mark, came to me and said, you know, we're looking to sell. Uh, and I says, well, I'm not ready to sell. Um, and he says, well, I am. You know, we had a VC in the business and they were coming up to the end of their five years and they were wanting their exit. So we had to think of an exit structure in the first place. And we had an offer on the table from Parker Hannafin, which we would have been not... (laughs) (laughs) We'd we'd been fools not to take financially, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the be-all and end-all for me. It was about what happens to the business going forward. And they did... They did say that they would do all the right things. And in the end of the day, my shareholding wasn't going to be enough to stop the transaction. Mark and um, YFM could could take that transaction through. So we had no choice. So we went along with it. Um, And I I got offered the opportunity to be plant plant manager, um, which I says to Mark, I said, well, what does that mean? What's And his his response to me was, just do what you've been doing for the last five years, Marie Puck, you know, into every department in the business and carry on with what you've been doing so I thought mm, I can do that <laughs> so we'll see where that takes us so I, I went into it we, we open eyes to be fair and I, you know I thought I could protect everything that we'd built over the five years but do something different with a bigger corporation and I think you know if, if you're honest there's there's certain things in business that some people are cut out to do and some are not um, and I think I'd got the feel for being entrepreneurial and wanted the controls and once those controls have took off you and everything seemed to be a challenge to actually get where you wanted to be and you, you were missing opportunities because the, everything you needed to do had to go through five stages of approvals and and it just felt like we were being restricted in everything we were doing. It was very different to what I was used to over the last five years um, and I wanted that back, if I'm honest. So just over 12 months into an 18-month contract, I decided that's what I was going to go and do. Um, little did I know that Chris actually wanted to do the same um, and he came to me with a proposal and said well if that's what you're going to go and do why can't we pull his resources and do this together um, and that's what we did we created Cooper Brown Enterprises and here we are today Wow now we haven't had a group chief executive on the compassionate leadership interview before and it strikes me that in assembling a group of companies you face some challenges that play no chief executives don't for example combining potentially disparate operating company cultures. When I worked at Molam, someone described us as a loose federation of warring factions. How do you approach issues like that? You need to have a lot of patience, I think, is the the first thing, and take things slowly. You can't ever expect everything to come all in one go. It's all about the people, and most people are challenged with changes. So I think you've got to deal with that slowly. Sometimes you've got to have the view that if you can't change the people, you have to change the people, and that's not always easy. But it is having that vision for what you want the business to look like and then coming up with the steps to be able to, to get there. Small changes, big wins, buys confidence, but you have to understand the change curve and feelings and expect some resentment and resistance to change mm. but it's working through those and what are your priorities in getting you where you want to be yeah so it's it's about understanding the psychological dimension of change as well as the practical dimension. absolutely and understanding your skills of the people um, I think the one thing that we found is people told us that there's certain people in the business that would never be able to step up to do their roles and we've actually found that they are so it's about giving everybody a chance before you actually make that decision um, it's, it's coming through and saying, you know, can you do this? This is what we need. Um, and enhancing and developing that strength. Do you have an established approach to adding value to group businesses? Mm, just do the right thing. 
I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's having the strategy um, as to what you want to achieve from pulling the group together. What is the reason for it being a group? It's, have, it's understanding those synergies um, and finding a way to resolve issues to accomplish them. But it is all about the people, and that's just not people in the business. That's your customers, your suppliers, you know, the support business. It's building a team around you that can actually help you deliver that strategy and deliver that approach that you're trying to, to pull together. In episode 12 of the Compassionate Leadership interview, I interviewed Tracy Allen, Chief Executive of Derbyshire Community Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust. And she said the question that she asked aspiring leaders in the NHS is, what is your leadership for? What would your answer be to that question? It's different now to what it probably would have been 10 years ago, but I think now it is to inspire, empower and create a next generation bigger, better and stronger. You know, there is always new technologies coming along, there's new ways of doing things, people have different ideas and it's being able to embrace that um, and being able to lead that through with experience. And how would you describe your personal leadership philosophy? To get the best out of people, enhance their strength and develop their weaknesses. And what's your proudest achievement in business to date? I've got a few, to be honest, because you, you, you have to be proud. We've also got some ones that I'm <laughs> I wish we could change. But um, I think the first one for me is winning the Young FD of the Year in 2012. I think that was recommended by people I didn't expect. And we went down to the awards and, you know, actually just being there was enough for me to win was incredible because that actually was recognition for what we did and it's reflecting on where we come from and what we'd actually achieved was fantastic um, that was topped in 2015 when we won the manufacturer of the year I won business person of the year and present engineering got outstanding business so for me that was a little bit of closure that was the year that we'd exited to Parker Hannifin and for me it was almost closure in recognition of what president had achieved it wasn't the it wasn't the end of everything Everything. It was the beginning of new things. Um, but then that leaves me to the launch of CBE because I think that is another uh, moment I am proud of because, you know, pulling together the last few years has been really difficult. But moving forward, being part of a team gives me great, great pride. And would you like to disclose a mistake you've made on your leadership journey and what you learned from it? Do we make mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> My dad always said to me, you, you can only make the right decision at the time. If something changes, you need to make another decision. F for me, it's, it's not a mistake, but it's something I take a lot from and I have learned from is, you know, the sale of, of President Engineering Group was not something I had full control over um, and it did impact my life. But we've learned a lot and I think you've got to reflect on what you learn from your mistakes um, and move forward and make you stronger. And it's important to trust your instincts, do the right thing and move forward. And how do you see the future of the group? Well, hopefully, ever-evolving. My vision for the group is to have a succession of structured management teams to take it forward. Um, I think seeing CB flourish, you know, once I'm no longer able to and, you know, have that development of long-standing businesses, have heritage in there, um, is something that I think would be success for me. But retirement can't be in imminent for you, can Oh, no, it? I never want to retire. No, I never want to retire. <laughs> I always want something to do. It is something different or something, you know, have, I think for me it's psychological. Being part of something keeps your mind active, keeps you involved. And, and I think that's one thing I've took from a lot of people. You know, just what is retirement? You know, retirement is, do, is doing something different. I want to give something back. So for me that would be, you know, continuing my work with schools, getting more involved in maybe charity events or, you know, actually sharing my experiences to something else that's that's not giving up is it you know I can still do all my hobbies as well but you still want to be involved and feel that you're part of something and that's that's what I want to do yeah how will you stay ahead of your competition do you have a plan 
Um, you've got prepared to, know. to disclose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to understand your competition in the first instance. So you've got to almost keep your enemies close, if you like. Um, but more importantly, it's understanding your customer into it. It's what they want, what they need, and it's being able to give them what they want and give them no cost to go anywhere else. So I think that's the main priority for us. BG Engineering, one of your businesses, won its category in the North Midlands and South Yorkshire Apprenticeship Awards. And you were one of the exhibitors at Get Up to Speed with STEM earlier in the year. You're a trustee at the Workwise Foundation and, and an enterprise advisor. Are apprenticeships close to your heart? Yeah. And I think that's that comes from the nature of my background mm-hmm. in, you know, doing the job but not having the qualifications to do it. I think, you know, you, you really need a balance of both. You can't beat experience, but you need the education to back up what you've learned through your experiences. So my original career path was to go to uni, get a degree. You know, I didn't do that, but I am now more qualified, but with the experience that that matches that up. And, you know, Chris is the same. We both feel that that is a really good, solid foundation to move forward on. And if we can get people that's coming into our businesses, that gets that balance of they're qualified, but they've got the experience to, to back up what they've learned and build them solid foundations to move forward. But it's both practical and educational at the same time. CB Plus is a member of Made in Sheffield, Made in Yorkshire, Make UK and the Midlands Aerospace Alliance. As you look across other engineering businesses in the UK, is there a particular company you'd like to emulate? Um, Not specifically. There's a lot of great businesses out there and a lot that have shared their experiences with us. Um, They're all very different. um, And the more I networked, almost there was the more I learnt not met anyone yet who's not prepared to share their um, ideas or their experiences and advice and support sharing best practice but also not how not to do things you know it's a lot cheaper and quicker to learn from somebody else's mistakes than go through it yourself so you know the more that you know and understand the more ideas you've got as to how best to do things Um, just be bigger and better and stronger you talked about changing people or changing people yes at what point do you make a decision to change a person rather than change a person, if you're with me? It's not easy, and I would say not to make any rash decisions. You have to give people opportunities. So I think you have got to have tried every opportunity to develop that person or to educate them or lead them and guide them into the way that you're trying to, to, to get them to develop. If that's not happening, you, you've got to get to a point where it doesn't put the business in jeopardy. I think it's it's always difficult because it's people's lives, you know, and I think everybody's conscious of that. It's not an easy decision. But at the end of the day, you can't have one person that changes the entire business. I, I, I've done this a couple of times and it, it is not easy, but we've got 85 people in the business that we need to protect. We can't have one person jeopardising everybody else. And, you know, we've explained this to people, we've understood, and we've we tried to develop these people. And, and once it's got to the point where it's clear they're either not going to change or they're not capable of doing what you need to do in the business, then you have to make that t- tough decision. But I think you've got to give them that opportunity first. Is there a person or experience that you've found inspirational during your mm-hmm. career? Yeah, there's always quite a few in there because there is some amazing people out there and, you know, and you never see yourself as amazing. I think that's one thing we don't do very well, isn't it? You know, everybody tells you, you know, wow, you've done your career and it's not until you reflect. But a big one for me is Gordon Bridge. He was an ex-finance director at AES Seal and I met him um, over 10 years ago now through the Cutlers Company. Uh, but he helped us change the dynamics of President Engineering Group by sharing his experiences, by allowing us to bring people up to see and visualise how things could be different. And he's been a big inspiration to how we do that. We're opening our doors to different people now. So being a 
a new FD, 35-year-old female in a man's world, out of my comfort zone in the Cutler's company, you know, Gordon made me feel very comfortable and that I should be where I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was great for him to do that and it was certainly something he wanted to see us do well and if it, he could help in that way, then it was something that uh, he was willing to support, give encouragement and genuinely cared about businesses doing well. So I guess, I guess your partner, Chris Brown, must be uh, he's your chief operating officer he is yeah he does all the things i can't do <laughs> <laughs> he must be someone who's also prominent feature prominent in your in your career to date how did how did you know that the chemistry between you was right he's, he's the chemistry between me and chris is total opposite so I, I don't know if that's right or wrong we are very different and that's what makes it work um we'd worked together for 10 years anyway when chris came to me with the opportunity we got on really well we'd already built a team together as finance and operations chris had skill sets and he delivered things that i i can't do um and he always says that i do things that he's never even going to even understand when it comes to finances and things but together we can we can do this and you know i think that just that just shows how we do work. It's frustrating, you know, because we're very different. Chris is quite placid. He's, he has to think about things. He's quite methodical in his approach. We're, um, right, we just need to get on and do this. But I think that works as a balance because when I'm off on a tangent and I'm trying to do things, Chris is the one that says, well, okay, Marie, but we need to think about this and we need to do this. So he almost reins me in a little bit and levels things off. Um, and I push him to do the things that, well, actually, Chris, why can't we do this? We just need to get on and do it and let's find the people to do it. So we actually do really complement each other in that respect. And he's achieved um, some amazing things. I mean, he's got aerospace accreditation for the precision engineering side of the business and we got aerospace accreditation for the NITEC side of the business in December. Um, so he's achieved all the things that, you know, my capabilities, it goes way beyond my capabilities. So we do balance each other in that respect. It's a team. And you have similar values, despite are, having different characters. Yeah, we do. And I think that's that's the key point. We want to monitor, um, mentor and develop as people. You know, we have that approach. We want to do the right thing. You know, we want to deliver expertise. We want to be the best at what we do. And yeah, we, we do all want that. Yeah, so I think that does, it does what makes it work. The groundwork is there. What does your self-care regime look like? I'll let you know when I see it. <laughs> the room, you, you, it's probably the wrong thing to say, but you do put yourself second in everything, don't you? You know, you become an entrepreneur, and unfortunately, business comes first in everything. Um, it is not something I'm good at. It is something I really need to be better at. I was diagnosed back in November of having type two diabetes. Apparently, something that's hereditary, despite the fact that I keep thinking I can change it, um, and I am going to try changing it. We can change it with diet. So it's even more important to look after yourself. And you know, as people keep telling me, you know, if if I'm not fit and well, what happens? happens to the business and I think you have to keep that in mind you know we have to keep ourselves healthy so it is something as a 2020 new year's resolution I need to, <laughs> need to consider and do something about but I've got friends and family that are supporting me doing that and getting the business to a level where it's got people in that are supporting the plan and what we're actually trying to do is is all part and parcel of making that happen because that that will give me time to be able to do more to look after myself um, and have the time to maybe get to gym once Every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, is dog walking features though in yourself? Definitely, isn't it? yes, definitely. I love my three-year-old uh, beagle, Belle. I don't know what I do without her because she does force that. Um, and I, I do take one day a week at home where I do strategic thinking. And there's nothing better than being out in fresh air, walking her to actually think about things. And I do carry a notepad, yeah, on my iPhone to to write notes on. 
um, because I do think about things when I'm out there and it, it is nice to have that away time. And it is something I promote my board to do as well is to have that away because if you get deep involved in the business, you see things on a different level and sometimes you need to pull yourself out of that into a different level to look at the business going forward. But but that's that's about the only time I, I am trying to be better at work-life balance. Um, I do promote it within work, so it is something I need to take my own advice on. <laughs> is there a, a book, podcast or video that you recommend to aspiring leaders? It's quite sad. Isn't it? I tend to read for pleasure and escape. Um, I tend to read fiction and romantic books. Is that bad? Um, and this is the first time... I've been on a podcast, so it's not something that, you know, the last one I actually was listening to was Gary Forsman to listen to the Peter Crouch one that he thought was highly amusing the other day. <laughs> but I think I, I, I read quite a lot of business magazines. I read quite a lot of different, almost PR articles, how different, how things people target, you know, different opportunities to do things differently. So I do read things like that, but um, I did get a book bought for me last Christmas. It, it was bought of a bit of a joke about how to be calm by Anna Barnes. And it was bought as a joke, but it has proved to be quite useful. There, are, there is things in it that make you think differently and sometimes you can overreact and you can get yourself stressed over. And sometimes you just need to think, well, actually, let's just breathe and take a deep breath and look at it. So despite the fact it was a joke, it is there is little things like that that are relevant more than one book in particular. Yeah. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Can you give a 20-year-old advice? They know everything, don't they? <laughs> I thought I did when I was 20. I think I know quite a few that think they do. Um, but I think it would be, don't be frightened to take opportunities. You know, what's the worst that can happen? I think people go through life. When I won the Young FD of the Year in 2012, the, the, the judges said to me after we caught up on why I'd won, and she says, you'd be surprised how many people would not take the opportunity you did by doing the management buyout. And, you know, I, I couldn't quite grasp why people wouldn't want to do that. You know, despite the said I think about it at the time, it weren't something that I ever thought, you I couldn't do. You know, it's just have that challenge. But I would say be careful what you wish for. You might just get, you need to live with your decisions once you've, looked, you've, you've made them. <laughs> it sounds like your husband's been pretty supportive along the way, hasn't he, with letting you take these... What other people might see as considerable risks? Uh, yeah, he is. Um, he's been my absolute rock. We're, we're very different in a lot of senses. Um, he's six foot five. I'm five foot. He's he's a little bit more placid. He's a lot more like Chris, my business partner. That you know, he thinks about things. He's methodical. Despite the fact we're both finance directors, both very similar. But he supported me in very different ways by giving me confidence and you know to be able to say yes, you can do this, and you've got my support financially. Yes, he, you know he supported me by investing in these opportunities. Despite the fact sometimes he actually says, "Marie, that's enough. You know, we need to do things differently." But he's never not believed in my ability to do it. You know, he's always said, "You can do this." You know, it got to the point before Christmas where we needed a work-life balance together. It got to the point where it was quite serious. We were working too much together. We needed to have that separately and, you know, we needed to get back to him doing his part of the business, me doing my part of the business and, yeah. and having that life balance back, which we are working really hard to do because I don't think you can have that support if you're too close as well. And he, he's been, he has, yeah, I don't think I could have done it without him, to be honest. Yeah. Don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I know you're an admirer of Hugh Facey, who was one of my guests on an earlier programme. I don't know whether he would approve of an accountant running a business. He definitely wouldn't, no. <laughs> what, would you, what would you say to him? 
Um, I have I've had a lot of respect for Hugh Face. I mean, President Engineering Group was only based down the road from Gripple, and we we had quite a lot of interventions with the business because they had the same IT system as us. And I really did inspire uh, from Hugh that his his ability to have. Um, staff in his business he respects his staff and they've got share holdings um, and that is one thing I've took on we, we have profit share so similar thing that I took from that into our business that everybody plays a part in it but yeah he's always been against I always remember the first time I ever met him and he said you should never let finance people run your business but to be honest being a finance person I agree with him um, you can't let the finances run the business my view has always been the finances need to enhance and develop the business so you have to have the business strategy and then the finances need to support the business strategy and and I think that was my concept all the way through Peggle what does the business want to do and then where do we get the money from to do it um, and I think that's the approach I took so not necessarily you know everybody said to me you know a normal FD Marie but what is normal you know and yeah. and that's I suppose that's the approach from me and Gary is he's he is that structured you know he's probably the person that Hugh means when he would never let a finance person run his business um, but you, you can't look at it like that you need people like that who are structured who can look at the numbers and sensibly say well you can afford that or we need to do this or that is the approach you need to take but then you also need that vision to be able to say well what do we need to do to get there and how do we you know yeah. get that confidence to be able to deliver that i get the impression from um, our earlier discussion over lunch before this podcast yep. you're you're pretty good at drawing a boundary between your expertise and that of the people that you're working with and empowering them to do the things that they know about yeah that that comes from again networking that comes from listening to other people and their experiences and it came from rob graham at go outdoors and um chris ray at aseal they both said that you will employ people in your business that are better than you you know and if you can't if you're not employing people who are better than you then why because ultimately that's what you want you know you're good at what you do but you need people that have got different skill sets that's got different abilities this is so you should always be looking for that next person who is better and I think that is a philosophy I've took on board with the people that we've recruited you know and I always say you know you need to be bigger and better than me because that's what you want your business to be in the future so if you're not developing bigger and better people then yeah. how do you expect your business to become bigger and better if you're not having that skill set in you could almost restrict the business by you saying this is the limit to the capabilities that we need in the business why would you ever do that and Hugh Face has got something called the gripple spirit hasn't he is there is there an equivalent within CBE um I've not come up with a, a name for it yet but culture is something that we want you know we, we want a culture the, the things that we've set the values that we've set in place safety quality delivery and teamwork you know everybody works together we're only as strong as each other and you know getting across to the team that we need a balance of strengths in the business. And, you know, if we had everybody who was the same, it would never work. So we have to look at each other and, you know, find people that's got strengths to develop. And it's been interesting because a lot of people have sort of looked at you when they've gone, oh, yeah, he can do that. So, well, that's it. Then ask them to do that while you do something different. And, you know, it's just developing that capability. So, you know, it is probably just being positive. For me, you know, having a positive approach drives positivity. And if people are negative, it drains people. So if you've got a positive, what can we do? What do we need to do? And then how do we do it? You know, everybody thinks differently and it gives them a step up. People feel differently when they're, they're positive than they do. It's almost like when the sun's shining into it. Instead of weather being miserable, it, it gives you a different perspective. It gives you energy. Yeah, completely. Well, thanks for coming in today, Marie. That's been a fascinating insight You're into welcome. your it's leadership. You're more than welcome. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to the Compassionate Leadership Interview. 
If you'd like to support the show financially, you can find me at patreon.com forward slash Chris Whitehead. Email me about the show, chris at damflask-consulting.com. You can find Compassionate Leadership, the book, on Amazon. And this episode was recorded at Rebel Base Media in Sheffield, and the music was brought to you by 96 Back on CPU Records. <laughs>